Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Casey. We take a half hour to look at the real estate market, talk about things that are happening in the real estate market that you make you money or try and help you avoid losing money. Um, this is the 9th, 9th of September, right? So if an agent wants to join Samson Properties and there's 4,700 agents, right? There's only two rules to join Samson Properties. You have to be professional and you have to be nice. Today, we're gonna to talk about the nice part of it, okay? So two great things to be if you wanna be, if you wanna be in the real estate business, if you wanna be in any business, be professional, be nice. So I'm watching 60 Minutes this weekend. And uh, as most of you know, our negotiating skills or what we've developed in negotiating is a camaraderie. Um, uh, we, we work with, uh, there's a guy named Chris Voss, who's an FBI a hostage negotiator. And we're always about working together. Never be tough or, you know, show the uh, influence you have or show the leverage you have on anybody. Always be nice. Come to a, you know, people always enter negotiations on a, on a teeter-totter where everybody's stressed out. And our job is to get them down nice and calm, nice and calm, get everybody relaxed, and then take them down the road we want them to go. So watching 60 Minutes this weekend. The Ritchie Boys, and for those of you that don't know who the Ritchie Boys are, the Ritchie Boys are uh, immigrants that came over from Europe that were escaping Nazi Germany in the Holocaust. So they came over, the army got together, they got a group, a large group, a couple thousand of these um, people and trained them at Ritchie Camp, Camp Ritchie, okay, in Maryland. So what they did was they talked about how they would negotiate and what their strategies would be and, you know, counter espionage, all, all of the stuff that they need to, to gather intelligence from the enemy. So the Ritchie boys went out and were attached to all army units and they would do the interrogation of prisoners. They would do the interrogation of people that live there. Why? Because they spoke the language, they knew the customs, they knew how to act. So they gathered all this information. In fact, they were so successful that 60% of the information that was used on the battlefield was pulled from the information that was received by the Ritchie boys. Highly successful. So this is the ultimate, and you think hostage negotiations is ultimate? This is ultimate, where these guys are interviewing uh, Germans that can tell them where all of the minefields are, uh, the machine gun nests, the tank regiments, everything that they can which saved thousands, tens of, tens of thousands of lives. So, so I would call that some pretty good negotiating uh, skills and tactics that they used. And when he was interviewed and asked, how do you do it? Do you intimidate them? Do you threaten them with violence? And with that, uh, I think the guy was maybe 95 or 98, maybe even 100. He scoffed at the idea about using leverage. He scoffed at the idea about using violence or threat thereof of violence. And he said something that's exactly like we use and exactly what Chris Voss talks about is, first of all, this is where we are, let's relax. So for the first, he started talking about he would get to know him and share common, common uh, not goals, but, but commonalities that they all have. They would talk about soccer, they would talk about something. They were trying to get the teeter-totter down. They were trying to remove the hostility by not being rough, not being tough, but by being nice. So I'm gonna show you how this translates into real estate about 
couple minutes. So it's the exact same tactics as Chris Wallace used. use is let's, let's level them down. Let's get them calmed down. And by doing that, the voice you use is a very calm, what Chris calls a midnight DJ voice where he talks very slow and very friendly and, you know, just try and get them to calm it down, calm it down. So we can start thinking and moving forward. So nobody can think when, you're, when your tensions are all high. Now in real estate, we go in to a seller and they could be getting a divorce. They could be losing a parent. They gotta move, sell their home that they love to move down where their parents are. They may have a child that's been injured somewhere around the country and they have to go to that. So there's a lot of cases where if you don't think that divorce is, is tough when you go into a listing presentation, that is the teeter-totter. That is where the emotions are extremely high and everybody's excited and everybody's upset. There's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake. This is their number one asset for most people. So, so that teeter-totter is high. So what the Richie boys would do was they would get together, they would get them down, they would start talking about commonalities, and then they would work together to help find the information they had. Exactly like Chris professes exactly what we do every day is, so I found it fascinating that on the biggest scale of the biggest theater of the most important life-saving things, it all rolls down to the exact same thing. And that is get it calm and then start your negotiations once you have them calm. Now, now what we do is we will get everybody down where we want them and then start going logical on them. We use numbers to our advantage. Let me give you a quick example. We have a seller out in out west and the seller is asking $1.5 million for their property. Well, I have it being worth about 1.2 and people paying a premium, you know, maybe, maybe 1.25, 1.3. So, so we tell the seller, we talk to the seller and understand about the buyer, uh, sellers, understand from their agent where their thought process is. How did you arrive at $1.4 million? Not that I'm saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, how did you arrive at that? Can you, can you share with us how that happened? And they shared it that this is what they want and they're retiring and this is all they've got and da 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 da. And so my client really wants this property, but it's, it's clearly 300,000 over market value, right? So again, we start calming it down by understanding and, and all of that. And then we come out and say, now, what I'd like to do is put what it's really worth. I don't care what we sell it for, but what is it really worth? And then you have to systematically prove in a very simple way, because these are not sophisticated sellers, obviously not a sophisticated agent. If the agent said, well, I just put it off what they wanted to and don't, don't know what it's worth. I said, how do you validate the price? He goes, well, I can't, so I don't even try. That's what they want, so that's why I put it on. You'd be shocked at how many agents do it just that way. So when you're looking to buy, the list price may have nothing to do with the sales price. So in this case, we went in and said, well, if all homes have appreciated 30% since they purchased, that puts the number at 1.2 million. What makes you think that this property would have appreciated farther or higher or faster than the other properties in the, within a, you know, now out there you gotta use a two, three mile radius, but of like kind properties, they only went up 30%. Why would you go up that? Again, if all properties in this, so that's one way. So 
if we go in at 1.2, I'm not trying to rip you off. We want to make sure that we're being fair to the sellers and they understand that we're being fair. So we put out a 1.2 and then say, well, if everybody appreciates a certain percentage, I would assume you would appreciate the same. Also, if everybody's selling at 122% of assessment on average, what would make you think you're going to sell for 145% of assessment? That doesn't make any sense, right? So basically what we want to do is we want to pay you exactly what the appreciation is for everybody else, exactly what the cost over the um, assessment would be. And we arrived at a price quickly and shortly thereafter that was hundreds of thousands. The only word I can use is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars under what the seller wanted. So this is the exact same technique as the Richie boys use. Camaraderie, let's get to know each other. Let's find out what the problem is now. Together, let's move forward. Let's move forward and try and get this done. I want the agent to be on our side. You know, I'm gonna help her explain this. So this is about being nice. This is about working together to get this seller a good value for their house, but it's not $1.5 million. So, you know, we need to help them. So the exact same thing happens when we meet with sellers, okay? And I'm gonna show you the result of all of this. And, and I can't emphasize that if you're in the profession, if you're in the real estate profession, we do send this out to all the um, Samson property realtors. A tough negotiator, a tough negotiator will be thrown out of the negotiation very quickly. When we have contracts come in, some agents act like, and see if this sounds familiar, act like um, tough negotiators, right? Got it. If you don't accept this contract by 12 noon, we're withdrawing our offer. What does that sound like? Does that sound like one of the Richie boys? Does that sound like some kind of a tough negotiator that's gonna end up at the bottom of the heap? So we take those realtors, we take their contract, and we put them on the bottom of the heap. We'd rather work with anybody other than somebody who's trying to force themselves or force a contract on us. So as soon as we identify a realtor as a combatant, right, a combatant, now you gotta understand as we go through this transaction, there are a lot of steps that we have to go through. And you want to work with somebody that's easy to work with, not somebody that's hard to work with all the process. It's not gonna do anybody any good. And a lot of times deals blow up. So for the dinosaurs that think that you need to act as this tough negotiator for your buyer or seller, that is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. You get, and I was thinking about this this morning, it's amazing how smart our parents are. Mine's, my mom's gone, but you know, things come back and you always get more that what you should always say, you always get more with honey than you do with vinegar. It's like, hmm, Rich, Richie boys, um, Chris Voss, um, our team. Um, so, so soon as we get somebody that's wanting to fight with us, we know that's a problem. Okay. And if we know a realtor out there is a listing agent on a property and there's three properties. So right now, there's very few properties and listing agents have control. But when it comes to five or six properties and that one tough negotiating agent that's a listing agent, we just try and buy any other house in their house. So it is not conducive to making a lot of money. It's not conducive for the sellers. It's not conducive for the buyers, you know, to negotiate in this fashion. So let's talk about just for a second how sellers, okay, 
you walk into the room and a cellar is like this and it's tense. It's either, again, divorce, just a child passed away and they need to move somewhere. What, for whatever reason, it's tense. And to first of all, understand what their reason is, understand where they're coming from, understand who they are, you know, just know where we are. We need to bring it down so that we're all on the same page, right? Because this is a team. It's not us against the seller. And a lot of realtors think that. And here's, let me put it to you that way. So a seller says, I want to go 1.5. Agent doesn't agree with that. Agent's wasting their time. They're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They're, they're angry. They are not on the same page with the seller. So it's easy for us to come in, get the agent on our side to negotiate the contract down where we want it, right? So a buyer and a seller, an agent and a seller need to be on the same page. We need to have the same goal. We need to be rowing in the same direction. We can't be fighting each other. We can't be in disagreement because if we're in disagreement, we don't launch the listing, okay? So we need to all be on the same page we're going to explain exactly how we arrive at the value of the property and what the pricing strategy is going to be and what the marketing plan is going to be together as a team, right? I coach football. I coach sellers. I coach buyers. I coach things for a living. So the first thing we need to do is all get on the same page. As Cliff Dumas would say, if we're going to tell a lie, we're all telling the same lie. Okay. I guess you can't use that in real estate because we don't tell lies, but the thought is we all just need to be on the same page. We all need to be rowing in the same direction because when we don't, things are going to happen. Let me, let me just take you to, to the track record. How do, I, how do I validate, right, that this is accurate? How do we validate that this pricing strategy actually works? Okay. So the power of being nice. I hope everybody can see that. Power of being nice. So... Let's take a market. And again, last week, I said there are 13,000 markets in the Northern Virginia area. And how I arrived at that is each market is basically one mile. And within that mile, there are six to eight different price ranges in that mile. So if there is 1,317 square miles in Northern Virginia, then Based on 1,300 times eight, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 11,000 different markets, 11,000 markets in our area. So we need to dissect each market, okay? Um, so you need to know your market. I mean, a tale of two markets happened this weekend where we had one property in Vienna at 1.2. We had one property in Reston at 750. The property in Vienna had 46 showings, had eight, 10 contracts, sold far in excess of their list price. The one in Reston had five competitors that they were dealing with, only four showings, no contracts yet. So, and I priced it 50,000 less than, than really just to compete with the other uh, properties. So how do you deal with these things? You deal with them based on the market itself, but let's take a look at this. So negotiating, getting sellers to put the property on the market at the right price, right? So our listings, and I think we've got, I don't know, maybe 70 or 72 sales this year, our listings sell at 108% of what we listed them for. So the strategy is always find out what it's worth, make sure you put it at what it's worth under any major thresholds. So let's say it's worth a million 25. 
we'd stay under that million dollar threshold because that's where the big buyer pool is. Let them bid the house up. That's a good strategy. By using that strategy and having an agreement with the sellers, we get 108% of our list price and the rest of the market over a million in Vienna gets 1.1 million. I mean, uh, 101%, sorry, I'm getting old. So we get 7% higher on contracts than the rest of the market does. And it's not because we listen too low. If you look over on the right-hand side, our listings got 126% of their assessed value, whereas the rest of the market got 119% of assessed value. So that's 7% bump, that Richie boy bump, that's fact, that's true, and it's well-documented. So again, how do, we, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to get on the same page with the sellers and go off together. We need to have the right pricing strategy. Now, once we've launched, we need to have all of the contracts coming in. We're still playing Richie Boy games with them, right? So we are understanding who the buyers are. We are understanding what they need. Um, when they do send in a letter, we love those letters because that lets us understand who the buyers are. And I'm not gonna use it to the advantage of the buyer. I'm obviously gonna use it against the buyer for the advantage of the seller but they're never gonna know it because we're very nice. We just want, we need information, right? So we get information on the eight contracts and we help them guide them where we need them to be, right? Which is highest and best offers. But here's where Richie Boy comes in. The Richie Boys wanna make friends with all eight contracts, which is what we do. We know all the contracts. We're trying to be very nice. Some agents who, get roughed up as a buyer's agent, um, they think now I'm the seller agent and listing agent, and now I can be very tough and you know negotiate. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Samson agents, if you have seven or eight contracts, you are nice to every contract. You are really pulling for every contract because if contract one decides they're going to walk away, you need contract two and contract three. Or if contract one decides they want to have a home inspection, even though it wasn't in the contract, you can't stop them because you can still inspect a house, the contract calls for it. And they want to come and rough you up on anything. It's like, that's fine. Um, that's fine. But I, I have to tell you that I'm going to go to contract two and three. They're already on notice and they're standing by waiting for the contract. So if you guys don't want the house, then let us know. We got to get contract two or three. Again, very nice, but using the leverage that we have in a very nice way. So to be nice, if you keep all four or all five or all six contracts involved, right? We have backups and leverage. If you want to play hardball, hey, uh, you won, you guys all lost, sorry, you lost. Okay, now you've alienated the buyers, you've alienated the agents, you have no backups. So if at 108%, if our contract's sitting at 108% of our list price, if I lose the buyer and I do not get a backup contract to fill in, that goes to 100% or less. That goes to list price. So what is at stake? If you've got a $1.2 million house, there is $100,000 at stake. So the ability to negotiate nice as rough, the Richie boy way versus my old Marine um, I had, when I was in the silent drill team, my, my platoon commander rose very high in the, uh, 
Central Intelligence Agency and interrogations. And I can tell you, he was not a nice guy. He was not a rich boy. He was a very difficult guy. I since got bounced out, but it was not a successful thing. I don't think Marines are probably best suited for that, for being the nice guys. But anyways, if if you use the Richie boy tactic, you use the nice tactic, you keep everybody involved, you keep everybody interested in the transaction. When, um, in fact, we're just settling on a property that it was the backup contract that came in and spent 130,000 over appraised value for the home. And they knew it. I mean, we, they had an appraisal. We were $130,000 over. But again, when they came back to us and said, we want to negotiate, it's like, I totally understand that. Absolutely, totally understand that. But we can prove that everybody's paying an average of 137,000 over list price on all the properties that are selling right now, at least on ours. So it, it actually calmed them down. It got them back. And again, it was it was working together on this. So so the proof is in the pudding that this nice guys finished first in real estate stuff. Um, works and it works to the advantage of and if our average deal is 1.2 million dollars then it makes them a hundred thousand dollars so so i just want everybody to think that negotiating is not who can beat up who it's who can influence the others who can get them on our page who can get them to present our story to the seller who can you know now in one that doesn't mean there isn't um some intimidation that goes on um the example I gave you of um, a person came in with 115 uh, items on a home inspection and I had backup contracts. So I said, well, that's fine. Um, but I got to tell you, I'm going to fix three items because they sound like safety items. So we're going to fix those three, but we're not fixing the other 12, 112. Because um, <clears throat> I've gone to the other contracts and, and they're okay with it. Now, I'm not trying to be an ass. I'm not trying to be hardball. I'm just saying. I want your client to have the house. I, I got to go where the people are going to make me not do 112 items. And he says, okay, well, you do those three, right? It's like, yes, we'll do those three. Well, in the Richie boy story, the one guy they were interviewing came into one of the negotiations with one of the uh, prisoners of war and he's wearing a German outfit or a, a Russian outfit. Why? Because Russians prisoner of war scared the heck out of the Germans. So he would sometimes come walking in now. Not trying to be mean, but he's clearly showing that he has leverage in this case. And he got the information on for whatever reason. God bless them. They got, I mean, when you talk about 60% of the intel on a battlefield comes from these kind of negotiations, that is that is on a massive scale. But for a seller, a hundred thousand dollar bonus or hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus may not change your life but it is going to change your lifestyle. So we need to be consistent. We need to be nice. We need to be analytical. We need to be experts at negotiating. Uh, the negotiating skills that realtors have to practice, whether it's Chris Voss or whoever you, whatever trainer you have, is got to be one of cooperation. Only we know the numbers and we're going to drag you to a point we want you to go. So, so just one other look at and again not bragging but i need to authenticate what we say or what this strategy does okay so what you're looking at is the top 10 agents 
in Vienna. Okay, so this is the volume they've done to date. All right, this takes into account their pendings. So we have in, in Vienna have, have done $48 million uh, on the books for 2021. Well, the next closest people are at 10, 12, 11, 9, 8. So, so the strategy of being nice, getting the property on for the understanding and, and making sure the sellers are clear, we're going on with this strategy and we need to use this strategy. We go online, it works. It works by bringing more money into the sellers. It brings more business up to us. Why? Because we can get that higher number. But this is the importance. And I will tell you that, that maybe 50% um, of it is being an expert on pricing and marketing, but 50% of it is being an expert on negotiations. Negotiations with the seller, trying to get them to agree that this is the right way to go. Negotiations with the buyers to bring us in our highest and best offers. Um, negotiating with, with the buyer agent on how to get rid of some of these home inspections and, and appraisals. And by the way, to the best of my knowledge, I think we've only had one home inspection all year long, and that's in 70 listings sold. So the negotiations work. They work not only for the sellers to bring them in more money. They work for the buyers to pay less money when they're buying a house. They certainly work for you real estate agents. If you're trying to be in the number one slot in your market, you know, you do that volume, you, you negotiate that way, you're in a good, um, uh, you know, a good, uh, what, what is the word I'm trying to think about? Agents want to work with you. If agents want to work with you, okay, then you really have a lot going for you. You're really going to have much more volume, good times and bad. It doesn't matter. Now let's talk about how we handle the bad. Let's say we can't get them off this teeter top. Let's say we can't get them off that price. Let's say they want to be irrational. And again, some people are just irrational when it comes to their home and that's okay. But if we don't feel like we can bring everybody down and get on the same page and launching the same strategy, then you just pass on the listing. And I know for an agent that only has three or four or five listing appointments a month, I know that's hard to think that I would walk away, but imagine this is the way we think of it. We're in a, we're in a nice airplane. We're flying along. All my sellers are in first class. The, uh, I'm the pilot, the agent, my co-agent is a co-pilot and the concierge and everybody's happy and everybody's doing great. Those are the sellers that go along. We're gonna fly high, we're gonna make a lot of money. It's gonna be an easy transaction. It's gonna be over soon. You can rent back and put your money in the bank. You have all the leverage over everybody else. Those are the, those are the sellers that were able to get down and work together to, to work a deal. Now, the sellers that don't wanna to work together, the sellers who want it their way, how they do it, they wanna tell us how to run the business, we just don't take them because those sellers are like the birds that fly into the engine, right? You got a plane, you got birds that fly into the engine, all of a sudden the plane starts shaking a little bit, right? And that bird takes a lot of my energy, a lot of our time, and you know what you stop doing? You stop being nice, right? Because they turned you mean, you've gotten upset. So my job is to make sure that if we have 70 or 80 or 100 transactions a year, that I don't have any birds flying in the engine. So if when we talk, and Billy and I are pretty funny, we made every explanation in the world and they still wanted it 
200, 250,000 over list price or over where it should be. So we just folded up the, you know, the, 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 the uh, laptop, looked at him and said, let's go get a beer. And we went out and got a beer. And I can tell you that house was on the market for 864 days and it had three price drops. And we don't want to get involved in that. So when you're selling, you need to know that the agent, how many bad listings do you take? Because that's taking all your time and energy away from the good listings. So by just getting good listings, by just being able to focus on the good, by being able to negotiate and, and work together as a team with you and your seller or you and your buyer, then everything goes smooth. Don't take don't take the birds that are flying into the engine. Don't do that. It'll screw everybody up. But that's my discussion on how the Richie boys at their level, Chris Voss at his level, and Casey Sampson team at our level, you know, like I said, I can't save hundreds, you know, 50, 60,000 lives in World War II. I can't talk the hostage out of doing whatever they're going to do, you know, the hostage takers out of whatever they're going to do. But I can make sellers about fifty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars extra when we go to sell. Eight percent on a one point two million dollars, which is our average sale, is one hundred thousand dollars. Again, Casey Sampson, 703-508-2535. We will see you next Thursday at eleven o'clock on Coffee with Casey. Thanks. Bye.